Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Leaving the Yard. Zach and the Professor here on the fan. 1079 Hump Day. Cold outside. Got a cold hump this uh, this afternoon, I think is what it is. I'm fixing to find a cure for that. Some, uh, oh, what's that? On a cold day, I like a warm plate of enchiladas. I warm love enchiladas enchilada. on a cold day, and I'm going to take care of that tonight. It's enchilada night, and I'm going to go over and have some enchiladas. Really? Yeah. Enchilada night? There yeah. was a night for well, enchiladas? Yes. Wednesday Wednesdays. Night. Enchilada night. Yes. Most people know this. You being from the Great White North may not be familiar with it. I didn't know there was an enchilada night. I have an enchilada when I got a hankering. Well, Wednesday night's the night. That's the night you hanker. That's the night you hanker. It's it's a better value on Wednesday night. Okay, that's what you tell me. Usually an enchilada is a fairly reasonable price item to buy anyway. Used to be. Oh, no more? It's gotten pricey. Enchiladas are pricey. They don't use eggs in them, do they? No, 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 no. no. But uh, they've gotten a little pricey. But uh, either way, Wednesday's still your best bet for enchiladas. And so uh, I'll be partaking tonight. Really? That's yes. going to warm you up? Yes. Do it with the beans, I bet. Beans and rice. Yeah, yeah. You're going to warm but up I the like car. But I like one of each. like one of each. One bean and one rice? No, one... Uh, Helping. One, one chicken, Oh. one cheese, and one beef. So three enchiladas. Yeah, I like I like the chili con carne on my cheese and my oh, beef. Oh, you're going to be loaded for bear. And then I like the uh, sour cream sauce on my chicken. Understand. Yeah. Glad we're not making a so, road trip. Like the queso. I'm not a queso on my enchilada. Really? I, I, I can go a whole meal of Mexican food without queso. It's it's low on my priority list. Really? Yeah. Give me some salsa and, and a plate of enchiladas. I'm perfectly happy. <laughs> you say so. Hey, you're in the yard. Chuck, I'm going to need you to clear out. I've got a bone to pick with burger over there. Well, he was trying to clear the room out with the enchilada talk, but go ahead. You, that man across from you right now yes. has disrespected my favorite sport, and I will not stand for it. I'm about to become more popular. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. How many times have, have we disrespected your favorite sport in here, and you're just now getting upset about it? Uh, I put a saddle this morning. He was What'd you say? Hot to all day. What did he, What did you say? Truth. Oh. <laughs> no, well, no. You did not specify the truth enough. You made a blanket statement, and I have a problem with that, sir. Well, what's the statement, first of all? Nobody in this afternoon show knows what you're talking about. Because <laughs> nobody listens in the morning. <laughs> I'm still getting ready for work. Go straight to That man this morning said you, to be good at softball you have to practice it every day to get the timing for the pitching down right okay but you could just walk onto a soccer field you just you could just walk onto a soccer field if you happen to play when you were younger at the high school level and be decent to good and that sir is wrong no no it's not <laughs> so you, if you're good, you'll be good when you're older you, you've got the muscle memory in place. Well, you could do the same thing with softball. Mm, I'm going to say that mm. I, I, I always argue hitting a baseball or a softball is the most difficult thing in sports. Unless you're a and cowboy I heard kicker. That and I, I will probably agree because I haven't done it. But here's my point. 
you could you need to practice softball that way to be good at the 4A level in this area. I don't think you could just walk onto a high school varsity soccer team and be good without practicing daily in every area. You didn't make that designation. Oh, I disagree with you. Area, oh, I think we <laughs> No, we've had guys that never played before that would step on the field and be like, <laughs> no. "Damn, I didn't know you were that good." It's not never true. played before. No, it is. <laughs> Who do you know? I'm not saying they're superstars. I'm saying guys who were talked into going out and playing soccer and turned out to be never young. played. Uh, I'm going to play soccer. You tell me how many softball players you just grab off the fields and go, go play softball. I'm going to call BS on if they've uh, never, never played. You've got to have ball never skill. Never played. Never played. Uh, I, I don't know that kid. You took that name. on the pitch and figured out how to flop as good as anybody. Uh, okay. Yeah. that hard. You were good for the flop joke, did you, huh? Did you get him out of theater class? Or? See, exactly. Okay, now that may be a prerequisite class for soccer. <laughs> hey, if, if they rewarded with the whistle being blown, it was a foul. If okay. it didn't work, it wasn't a foul. Your point, however, is well taken. It's a unique set of skills to be a soccer player. I, I will give you that. And I will give you to that. Be good, yes. Yeah, it's a unique set of skills you have to have. If you're to be a good soccer player, you have to hone a unique set of skills. Most people are not able to work with both feet. But Jordan, to be ambidextrous. We have listeners in Brazil. Listeners in Europe. We're on the World Wide Web. I feel pretty confident my statement this morning was truth. Your statement was in the sport you could do it. My my. Point of contention was you might could do it here. You yeah, can't but, do that in Dallas. Well, I'm the one who here's who we were speaking to. <laughs> but you didn't make that distinction. That's my point. There you are just walk on anywhere. There are six A suburban soccer clubs. You're probably not going to get on the field if you hadn't been practicing. But there are, honest, are, most of the kids that were playing in that area. If they're in a club team, that club team probably doesn't allow them to play for the high school team. Well, I agree with that. I, that was happening 25 years ago, 30 years ago when I was in the Metroplex area. We had kids that never played on the high school team. But yeah. here, it's not that big a deal, Jordan. I don't know why this makes such a big deal to you. It's really not. I mean, you will agree that the emphasis on soccer is not here. No, oh, no, no, it's absolutely not. It's bottom two sports in the town, probably. Wait, what's the other one? <laughs> Hockey. Water polo. Water polo. Wrong. Water polo is below. There's more people playing soccer here. Well, there's only one school playing it right now. <laughs> Give it time. Well, there's only one pulling down, Chuck. And you can play soccer. Water polo. If you can't swim, <laughs> you're not going to play long. Good luck. <laughs> you better be tall. <laughs> you better be really tall. We don't have that many tall kids around right here either. At the college, they yeah. play in the deep end. Yeah, that's <laughs> good Ooh. point. All right, man. Appreciate you, Jordan. Y'all never walk alone, gentlemen. There you go. <laughs> Boy, he's been on me about that all day. Boy, he was fired up and to I, start the show. I don't I, need that. I used the boy as the example. Of? <laughs> My son 
didn't play soccer his junior year in high school. No, but he's a very athletic kid. He's a fairly athletic kid before yeah. the Achilles. <laughs> but it was well, a, we were all before the Achilles. Yeah, but he was a fairly athletic kid, but he grew up playing soccer. And he didn't play at all his junior year. Uh, he ran track his junior year instead of playing soccer. And there just wasn't a uniform for him. The coach said, you know, I know you're a decent player, but I got a full roster, and I'm not going to take a uniform away from one of my kids that's full-time soccer player. You're going to come in from basketball. You're not going to be here till we're deep into the district schedule. I don't have a uniform for you. Okay, fair so enough. He, so he ran track that year. All right. Well, the next year rolls around. Different coach comes up to him in the hallway near the end of – during the playoffs in basketball, says, I hear you can play some soccer. He said, yeah, I played when I was a kid. He said, well, I got a uniform for you. <laughs> You're about to be my star. <laughs> well, he played six games. Okay. That's all that they were playing. Left in the season. Yeah, he was second team all district. I think he scored the first goal of the year on Paris. They oh, hadn't my given... gosh. And so, you know, and he was their striker in the playoff game, the playoff game, because it's, right. it's soccer. <laughs> you got one game. You get a playoff yeah. game, and it's over. And then you go home. Yeah, and literally, he hadn't kicked a ball in a year. It's he had skills from when he was a kid. But he's an athlete too. Well, he I was give you that. He was an athlete coming out of a season where he was right. in shape. And yeah, exactly. Had a had a sport he was running in. Yeah, had sports over his yeah. career he run in. Yeah. If you can but, run, you can play. But soccer. he literally had not honed his ball skills yeah. in a twelve month period. But he didn't need to. He was already razor sharp. No, no, he wasn't. He wasn't near the soccer player. Well, he would have been first team if he'd been no, sharper. No. It just is the level of competition and the emphasis on soccer in this community. Understood. Gotcha. You know, it's funny. I, I forget who I was talking to the other day about girls' soccer and girls' basketball on the Texas side. Oh, I think it was J Bo. We were talking about it where he was talking about when he coached uh, girls basketball over at PG. He and Andy Allen were big buddies. Andy had the girls soccer team. But they couldn't share players because the season's literally Tuesday and Friday night. They're playing at the same time. Which was part of the conversation about bumping soccer out of the spring and moving it to the fall. UIL had that debate a year ago and decided "Mm, probably not. I think it's a much better idea because I don't I think your volleyball player and your soccer slash basketball player are very different. Okay. And I think it would make sense to separate basketball and soccer more than volleyball and soccer. I may be wrong about that, but it makes more sense to me. And that's what I was talking with Coach Treese about this morning is soccer is a different schedule in Arkansas. It starts later. right? And so softball and soccer – fully aligned with each other and that's why i said you could you could probably if you had a, a bye week of softball you could probably slide a, a good athlete over there and put them on the soccer field and they could contribute i don't think if you hadn't been swinging a bat you plug them in and get much out of them probably not but i don't know how many coaches are willing to share a well, player like that they're not. especially if you're the softball coach yeah, who has a about really good player yeah. even if that player's a really good soccer player potentially too i'm not sure you know player. i always respected texas high there's been some years when they've had track kids slash baseball kids yeah. the Sorensen kid yeah nate did both great outfielder 
but he was in Austin on a relay team right? because they made it work. Right. And, you know, I just respect it when coaches in season, not you left my season, went to their season, when coaches in season figure out a way to make it work. Well, and with I think track's a little easier transition than saying I'm going to have you go over and play soccer. Granted, if we're talking about a relay, there's certainly some time you got to spend on the track with the teammates, but it's not like you do with soccer. I mean, there's a lot more to it. We witnessed Taylor Tatum last year, the you know four-star, five-star, whatever, running back down yep. in Longview last year. He ran in the uh, Waddy Myers relays that afternoon, slid over to the diamond, played baseball that night. Yeah. I admire that. I can see that. I, I, that track makes the transition easy. If you're in a running event, to me, that's not a that's not a tough transition. Going to a completely different sport where there's a different skill well, set, yeah, you, I think that's a little hard. Dawson sprint relay well, takes I'm, I, I said relay, and I give you, relay is a little different. Yeah. Hurdle's a little different. But if you're out saying, okay, I'm running the whatever, if it's just I, – I don't, I don't see that as a huge – Reach to be but able to do good. I suspect well Tatum well. spent the bulk of his time in baseball because of the difficulty well, sure. in hitting yes. the baseball. And that was my real yes. point. Speaking of baseball, good segue. 5.30 this afternoon, Will Middlebrooks hopping on live. We're going to talk. Uh, he's he's just a growing star in the, uh, in the broadcasting industry. I can't well, even believe I'm saying you that. You say that, you know, Lightheartedly. I'm not saying it lightheartedly. It's a real deal. I know it is. He's the real. We're going to talk about. It. We got. We got music, but we're going to come back and talk for a minute. But he's coming up at five thirty. We'll spend about. Uh, we'll see how long his kids let us uh, talk to him. If he's got kid duty, he may not have two <laughs> segments in. He may only have one. But we're going to talk to Will coming up at five thirty. Reminder: Tomorrow on the show in studio, Bill Oney's going to be hopping in here. Get a chance to visit with the uh, columnist for the Gazette, who. Uh, Slapped down a pretty good uh, and interesting piece this weekend. Thought-provoking. Yes. We will visit with him tomorrow at 5.30. Take a break right now. Leaving the yard. Zach and the Professor here on The Fan 1079. Welcome back. 19 after 5 o'clock. Leaving the yard. Zach and the Professor on the fan. 1079-903-735-9905. We'll get this uh, segment open phone anyway. By the way, a couple of uh, points of order. I told you this last night we were leaving the gym. Uh, Tyler uh, Legacy's going to name the football coach at 11 o'clock in the morning. That's worthy of keeping an eye on uh, who they name. Uh, Rashad Woods was named earlier this week is the new football coach at Tyler High School, alumni, all-time leading receiver. Yep. I think he was Oklahoma State Cowboy. He was. Had a cup of coffee in the league. He and did. Uh, So uh, he's the new football coach at Tyler High. But it's interesting, those two openings. Certainly if you're Texas High, you're going to see those folks. New Tyler coaches. Yeah, new Tyler They've football coaches. They've had hard coach. times at Tyler. Yeah, it's not been a great run. Uh, you know, Lindell's up, White House is up. We're seeing some similarities there. Yep. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see 
who gets that coaching job because I think Legacy's the better job now, but both of them. Legacy butts up against White House. Tyler High, Lindell, and Van are where people are moving out to from Tyler High. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Also, uh, our old buddy Greg Cordray, who's kind of quasi Texarkana PG and uh, Carthage Bulldogs. He's had kids go to both. Right. He posted an interesting nine-minute video uh, today. Um, We're All Bulldogs is the name of it. We're All Bulldogs. We're All Bulldogs. And it's about small towns in Texas, Friday Night Lights, but it's really about how in a town like that, which is very different from Texarkana because it's a one high school town, and that's certainly part of their success, that football is the unifying factor, that everybody doesn't see eye to eye on anything else. But they can come together on Friday nights for that. And uh, it's an interesting little video that with that overtone to it. Where do you post that? That's on the Facebook. It's on the Facebook. So uh, Greg Cordray is... We've done this discussion uh, umpteen times about single school, small town Texas. Whether it's Dangerfield back in the 80s or Gilmer, Carthage... You know, the Metroplex is starting to absorb the Salinas and Argyles of the world as they've been that same. But no, there's nothing There's nothing else like it. I, re- I read a book a guy wrote. It came from, I can't remember what state he was in. He was someplace out west and had been a football coach and decided to take a year away from everything and was going to travel the state of Texas. And so he, he came in in the, in, in the summer met with about a dozen different football program coaches, kind of pinpointed where is he going to want to go, and each week drove to a different game. He'd already pre-done his his route, what he was going to do, which games he was going to see. And over and over again, the theme was just how other states' coaches have no idea about just how – important football is in Texas as opposed to what it is in their states. Yeah. And not that it's not important in their state, but its level of importance doesn't even come close. I mean, the cathedrals are its own thing. The yeah. football stadiums are its own world. But the sizes of the staffs, the amount of time that they're allowed to work that job as opposed to maybe being in a classroom having you know a full load of, of teaching assignment that's not related to their sport. Or, or like we talked about with Bill Oney's article, $10,000 for a road trip. Yeah. And they don't blink an eye because yeah. it's a priority. Yeah. No, that's that, right. And that's not a shot because, you know, the two districts that are doing it, they've got the money and yeah. that's what they want to spend it on. And the taxpayers, I, I don't see any taxpayer rebellion saying, well, we don't want to spend $10,000 on a road trip. It's already in the budget. Yeah. They've already got it budgeted. Yeah. They've got active booster clubs, which is another thing that he yeah. did not see in the states he had come from, is how involved booster clubs are in making sure yeah. programs that don't necessarily have as much finance as they want through the tax dollar get it through the fundraiser, and that arm is able to supplement whatever's out there. So when you talk about Carthage, for instance, I mean, for the longest time, and they may still have the largest screen 
in the state of Texas. But they did for a long time. And who'd ever thought at that size that a school like Texas would have the largest video screen at the football stadium? Just barely in the top ten. See, it's tough times. Yeah, it's hard times. But finding the right place, finding the right fit for coach, finding the right communities, got some money, got some interest in this, wanting to pour everything into it, and typically having some kind of legacy behind this, some kind of history of the families in the past made this sure. an important thing. They may have fallen on hard times. Carthage is a great example. Gilmer was a great example. Dangerfield has been waving in and out of greatness and well, they're generational. That's what I mean. That, that's what I mean. Yeah. Where that's been part of who they were in the past, and now it sticks to those. Doesn't have the pockets enough, or the taxpayers nope. haven't been willing to sacrifice enough to nope. make it a constant. Nope. And Carthage taxpayers have been willing to make it a constant, to make it a destination place for people to move to for their kids to play ball. It's a little different resource in Carthage than in Dangerfield. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's really just priorities. Right. And, and well, do I mean, you have the pockets? It was a priority in Dangerfield, but not enough to build a new stadium or put up yeah. a big board. I mean, their priorities were... Ironically, they built a gym. Beautiful gym. Yeah, it's a nice little gym. But, but I think they were all happy with their stadium, where yeah. it is and what... They're fine with that. Yeah. They don't need it to be anything larger. The community isn't anything larger. It's not going to grow any larger. But uh, but the book was really telling on just exactly how other states don't have a clue. And when guys land in Texas and walk around and go, holy cow. Yeah. But they also then get the pushback. The other side of that, you can not be a winning coach in some of those other states. Yeah, keep your job. You've got a full load of classes. You're yeah. just It's football. It's one of the yeah. things we do. You didn't win. Oh, we didn't win theater yeah. this year? Okay. Well, the theater coach still has a job. But in Texas, the pressure on those coaches – to be successful yeah. decides if you get to keep your job or not. Yeah. And that's the so uh, that's the flip side of the coin that those other guys don't understand. They they you know look at the stadiums and go, God, I wish we had that, or the indoor facilities. Then realizing, yeah. hell, if we go four and six. He's ahead, we're going to be seeing that here in town. Yeah, we go four and six, we're going to have yeah. somebody lose a job. It's going to be coming out in days. Ah, um, last thing uh, before we have to go to break, I know we got to go to break, get Will we're good. Um, Carl Johnson, the uh, kid over at uh, PG, uh, gets an offer from the University of Arkansas today. Now, he stepped up. He's had offers from places like SMU, yep. Texas Tech, but now the SEC, and I'm assuming they're looking at him as a DB as I well. I think. Um, but, uh, you know, and you and I laughed about this during the break. That's the school of Pleasant Grove is University well, sure. of Arkansas. Has been forever. But it is, you know, they refer to it as Pleasant Grove North. Yes. And uh, so uh, now if Fakari wishes to join Landon. Landon and others and all of his classmates, <laughs> he can now do so uh, because that offer was uh, made today. And so that's a, that's a, a big deal for him because – there's no cachet where he goes to high school now, like an offer from the University of Arkansas. No, that's right. And it's a game changer as far as the offers you're going to get. I mean, now now, now the SEC is perking up its ears oh, and yeah. taking taking a listen and taking a look. Well, I think the Tech offer was that a couple of weeks ago. I think ago. so, too. When Tech offered him, I think others began to go, oh, well, maybe we need to take a second yep. look at the kid. And, uh, and I don't know. You would expect he's probably going to be in some – 
camps again this year. He's got some pretty good offers. Can he get a better offer? Well, I think a lot of it will depend on um, if he stays healthy. He obviously lost his sophomore year, but if he stays healthy and uh, continues to grow in an offense that I would assume Josh is going to bring back that's more built for his skill set. See, I don't think the offense matters. I don't think it matters for him because I don't think they're going to look at him as the offensive side. I think they're going to look at him as a corner. I think when he makes dynamic play with his feet, more people will see that. Uh, You know, years ago when Will Cole was the quarterback at um, Cedar Hill that won a state championship, nobody thought he was going to quarterback in college. He had a terrible arm. He he just – but he was so dynamic that everybody in the countryside offered him just on speculation of his ability to play corner. And I think the more impressive plays you make with your feet on offense, the more people fall in love with you. I'm not going to disagree. I think, however, they're going to look at what's he doing on the other side of the film when they're watching that. Well, I think the, they're going to realize best, best, athlete, best athlete they have, they stick him at quarterback, what he does, he does. We see him at the next level playing over here. Which, as much as you love the cornerback, a quarterback – we all start recognizing in some conferences the cornerback is just as important. Oh, I agree. You got a pass rusher, great, but cornerbacks and yeah, some. And of them translate because some of them just don't want to hit you. No, but you know we were talking about Longview. Jalen Hale's going to Alabama. Arkansas is going to have to cover him. Yeah, I mean that that becomes the thing as you start watching the well, Georgias, Alabamas, etc. Struggling to cover guys in the SEC for a couple of years now. We got to take a break. Music in my ear. It's twenty nine after five. Will Middlebrooks is coming up next. You stick around. Leaving the yard, Zach and the Professor on the fan, 1079. Since 1906, Farmers Bank and Trust has served customers throughout South Arkansas. This year, we've added nine new communities in Arkansas and Oklahoma. We're committed to serving and investing in our new and legacy communities. Text Arcana, we're not the new bank in town, but you've always made us feel at home. When you need a bank perfect for your season of life, come home to Farmers Bank and Trust. Visit myfarmers.bank to learn more. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. In sports, five games were featured in Hockey Action last year. Every year, millions of people rely on portable generators when they lose access to electricity. But some of them don't understand that a portable generator's carbon monoxide emissions can kill if their generators are used indoors. So we're here to clear the air. Always take your generator outside, away from windows and doors. When you take it outside, you distance yourself from the dangers of carbon monoxide. For more safety tips, visit TakeYourGeneratorOutside.com. Data shows that only three medically necessary abortions were performed in Texas last August. Texas Right to Life estimated that as many as 50,000 unborn babies have been saved in Texas since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Some see abortion restrictions as an inconvenience or a limit on individual choice, but when these babies grow up, I imagine they'll see it differently. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org.
Welcome back. 31 after five, leaving the yard. Zach and the professor on the fan 1079. And every once in a while, we uh, manage to slip in there in the busy schedule of greatness. Today's not that day. It's Will Middlebrooks joining us. (laughs) Nice. I appreciate that. I didn't want you to get too big-headed on the intro, just to make sure. Will Middlebrooks. I wasn't sure, uh, because... You had "Running with the Devil" on when it as your in, my intro music. So I'm like, is this directed at me with the LA roots? But you know, do your thing. Oh no, no, you know than that. There's leopard love right in this studio at all times. <laughs> music wheel. It was Stevie Ray Vaughan, and it was called Texas Flood. Wow, little Stevie Ray, I like that. Yeah, it's my dad's favorite song. So ah, it's one of my dad's favorite songs. So that had a lot to do with it. I was going to ask you how you settled on it, but there's the answer: simple. Go with the old man's music. That's Step the way to go. Well, oh yeah! Congratulations! Now we're hearing every time we talk to you, you got something else big happening. It's a kid here. It's a kid there. It's a trade to some <laughs> other friend. I, I, it's always big stuff. And it's just keep no getting... more kids, though. I promise you that. <laughs> Never make that promise. Never. I'm promising. Uh, I can promise you that. All right, okay. that's that's what you say. And then, oops, there's something else. <laughs> Congratulations. We'll start again with with uh, the 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 news the last couple of weeks that uh, they liked your work so well up in Boston that they decided to expand the opportunity, and it really is kind of exciting, isn't it? No, I'm fired up, man. I you know, I got to do about 50, 60 games pre and post game shows with Tom Karen up there, Jim Rice, Tim Wakefield, Lynn Donardo, uh Ellis Burks. There's some there's some really cool people I got to work with last year doing pre and post game. And then towards the end of the year, uh my boss called me and said, "Hey, um what do you think about going in the booth for four games with Dennis Eckersley?" Uh, I said, "I if if you're okay with that, I would love to. <laughs> you know, I would love to try that out." So I went in. I did a series with with Eck and Dave O'Brien, our, our play-by-play guy, uh, against the Baltimore Orioles. It went really well. I really loved it. It was a lot. I, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I love the the pre and post game shows. You're analyzing things. You're breaking them down. It, some of it's premeditated because you 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 plan your show around certain things. Uh, but a game is just you're react reacting to what you see and you're ex- peeling back the layers and explaining the game to the fans and telling stories. And um, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And like you said, I guess they liked it enough to bring me back. I'll probably do about 30 games or so in the booth this year. Home games, road games, what's it look like? Both. Um, both. I, I think I have a majority. I'm the new guy, right? So I, I'm, I'm going to have a, probably going to have some West Coast trips. Uh, probably, you know, but I'm fine with that. I like the West Coast. There's lots of uh, pretty, pretty places to, to visit out there if I'm going to San Diego and L.A. and Seattle and all that. So. Um, it's a mix of home and away. Uh, I think more away games than, than anything. And then as far as uh, the pre and post games, I have about 40 pre and post games still. So it's kind of a hybrid position still doing that, which is fun. I'm glad I'm getting to do both because I feel like each job makes me better at the other one because you get different angles and different perspectives when you're doing different jobs. So um, I'll still be at Fenway a ton because those pre and post game shows for home games are at Fenway as well. Now, I read a, a, an article that you were quoted in talking about the fact that your perspective on the game may give listeners or viewers a different uh, a, a different perspective because you weren't necessarily a star player. And you had made mention of the fact that usually it's guys 
who are star players who manage to get these studio gigs in particular because they're FaceTime guys and everybody knows them, that maybe being right. a guy who struggled through injuries, a career that wasn't necessarily a Hall of Fame thing because you didn't get the longevity opportunities because of your health, gives fans a chance to see what it like from the, 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 the view of somebody who had to deal with some adversity instead of it all being just roses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, that's not taken away. There's a lot of really good color analysts out there who are Hall of Famers and are who've had 20-year careers and hit 500 homers. Those, those guys are great. There's still some really good ones, but it's a different perspective coming from me. Like you said, I, I will never, ever forget how hard the game was, and I think that's something that is really hard to do for color analysts. So the longer you're away from the game, the easier that slider in the dirt looks to, to not swing at. You know, I'm up. I, I'm, I'm still on the couch jumping at it. So I, I, I know, and I'm. This will be my fifth year out of the game, which is insane to me. But um, yeah, I just feel like I, I can be a little more relatable. Um, I had to outsmart people. I had to. I played hurt a lot. I had to find a way how to compete at the highest level. Um, physically being at like 70%. So how do you do that? You have to outsmart people. You have to know the game. You have to know the rules. You have to you know, do the ins and outs, the games within the games. And I think that's fun to talk about and teach people because unless you've been in that position, you really don't understand it from that angle. I kind of get a sense that you still have a lot of baseball left in you. You talked about, yeah, I love going to the West Coast. Those guys that hang around 20 years, I think they're ready to get away from it, at least for a little while. Well, that's real easy to say when you got $500 million in the bank. You know? <laughs> I, I was fighting for my life every year just to have a decent minor league contract on a triple-A team or you know, hopefully get up for a couple months to make you know, a little bit more money. But, you know, these guys, they, if you're able to play that long, number one, you're lucky because you're healthy and you're able to hold your body together that long. You're good mentally, which this game can beat you up. It's a game of failure, as we know. The best players in the world fail seven times out of ten. That's It's crazy to think about it that way, but there's a lot of failure in baseball. Um, so you get to a certain point where you're just exhausted. You know, I've talked to a lot of guys who had careers like that. Big Poppy, uh, Scott Rowland, who just went in the Hall of Fame. You know, Shane Victorino, Dustin Pedroia, the list goes on of guys I've been lucky enough to spend time with and talk to. And they're just tired, man. You get to a certain point, you're just – it's almost the off seasons are harder than than the seasons because you have to get your body right and get in shape again, and and at that point too you're older you have a family your kids are starting to when, once you're in your late thirties I mean your kids you know they're they're getting into middle school high school and it's 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 time to be a dad and you've already missed a lot of time I think that's the biggest thing. You know, as weird as this is, and, and, and you mentioned being out of the game five years, and that's a weird number to to grab onto. I, I was shocked again to read you're thirty four years old. I can't even wrap my head around that. Yeah, you just you still remember the little high school kid floating yeah, around yeah. Liberiello. It's, it's it's crazy how fast time goes by, man. It really does. And now having kids of my own, you you see it, you know, in real time right in front of you as your kids are born, and then all of a sudden they're 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 growing up. So I can't imagine how how my parents feel when I'm 34. <laughs> We're visiting with Will Middlebrooks. We we've known for years you outkick coverage by Mary and Jenny. <laughs> I, and I want I want to give you a chance to kind of explain because you didn't just fall in this gig. You kind of got a little shove here from from your uh, your bride who made sure that uh, you figured out she was tired of listening to you talk about all the games on TV. Go out there and talk about it and get paid. Yeah, yeah shove, push off a cliff, something like that. Um, we, I was you know uh, a few months out of retirement. 
you know, I was around the house just, you know, sad, man. Honestly, it was, it was a tough time for me being pushed out by an injury and didn't really know what was next for me. I didn't go to college. Baseball was all I knew. Sports was all I knew. And uh, she worked for CBS, which, which you guys know. And uh, for a company, CBS Sports HQ, which is a CBS Sports uh, sports center, basically. It's all online. And um, she said, look, I, I you got to go try you know, go talk about baseball. It's the one thing you really know the game. Go talk about it. Spread your knowledge. I said, look, I'm not ready for it. I'm just simply not ready to talk about it. I'm, I'm, I'm mad at baseball. I have a bad taste in my mouth right now. I want nothing to do with it. She said, well, here's the thing. You might want to go get a haircut. Find uh, some type of button down in the jacket and iron it because you got a show tomorrow. Here's your topics. Uh, figure it out. And walked out. So... I was not very happy about that. I'll leave it at that. But uh, I did it. I hated it. <laughs> I did it again a couple of days later. Still hated it. But gritted my teeth and did it anyways. Uh, CBS offered me a job, and I said, you know what? Well, it's a paycheck. It gives me something to do. And uh, here we are. I fell in love with it. And <laughs> I should have known better that, that she knew what was right. And she's not listening right now, so I can say that. Well, we'll make sure it's on podcast so she'll be able to hear it later on. That you, you go back. <laughs> Perfect. Speaking of, thanks. Speaking of podcast, I, you, you know, you did a podcast. I don't know if you're still doing it. You did a podcast for a couple of years, I think. I, and I'm guessing that probably had a lot to do with your comfort level about moving into what you've been doing here with the Red Sox now. Yeah, for sure. We you know I started the pod uh, a couple years after I started CBS, so I was already in the oh. media. I was already talking ball and, and kind of figuring that out. Um, this is this will be the third season with the podcast called the Wake and Rake Pod. Um, I, it it really just started this for, for practice is what it was. Is if I had a big show the next morning, which I would normally do three or four morning shows a week, um, you know, if I had a big show about something that maybe I wasn't comfortable about or comfortable with or didn't know as well i would study up on it i'd research and do a podcast on it and then i wouldn't release the pod till the next day after i did the show but it would give me a chance to talk through it hear my co-host talk about it who works for cbs who who is a content producer for them and he he knows baseball he played baseball in the at the college level and now he just produces content so he, so he knows a lot of stats um so it just gave me an opportunity to hear someone else talk about it let myself talk about it work through the kinks and the next day on cbs I'd be able to just knock it out because I'd already done it before. I had a dress rehearsal, basically. Well, this is an off-the-wall question, but uh, you talk about working with Tim Wakefield. There's always this kind of stereotype of uh, knuckleball pitchers that they uh, maybe they march to the beat of a different drummer. Uh, would you categorize Wakefield that way? No, he's actually pretty normal. <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, uh, there's knuckleballers, and then there's left-handed pitchers, and then there's you know, st- you know, righties. And uh, all pitchers are weird. Lefties are you, you guys know Zach Fowler. I mean, <laughs> you're out there. Uh, and then yeah, knuckleballers on a different planet. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because they've been through a lot. Because most knuckleballers, if you don't, they don't start ballers. They start yeah. as regular pitchers, and they get crushed for years and finally someone goes hey man you don't throw hard enough your stuff stinks try to make it not spin and throw it slow as you can and people probably won't hit it so uh, maybe they just been through it so they're just out there but tim wakefield uh is a great guy he's he's actually like a scratch golfer too which is most pitchers you know they have lots of time starting pitchers play once every five days uh we like to say they're not athletes but tim wakefield 
is a heck of an athlete. He played. He was an infielder in college. He hit. He hit homers. Uh, ended up being a pitcher, obviously. But um, scratch golfer, fun to work with. Knows the game inside and out, and he he's been great to work with. I'll tell you what. I got to take a break. Can you stick around? Sure can. All right. Tell you what. I'm gonna I'm gonna get us into a two two minute commercial set. I'll come right back. Will Middlebrook's on the phone with us. When we come back, we're gonna talk about what are we looking for for this season, and uh, maybe a little bit of free agency from the off season. Any teams that may have uh, redefined themselves in a way that maybe you keep a better eye on. Hint, hint. Rangers, Rangers. We'll come back in just a minute. Will Middlebrook's joining us here on Leaving the Yard. Zach and the Professor on the Fan 1079. In this up and down economy, with a sense of protecting every penny you worked so hard for to achieve the all-American dream, let Stuart Title, with over 150 years title experience, handle every step of the closing process to give you peace of mind. The vast resources and customer experience is second to none. If it's your first house, commercial real estate transaction, or refinance, Stuart Title Texarkana will provide that peace of mind. Call 903-832-3720 to schedule your time today. I see you're cleaning your rifle. Yeah, getting ready for deer season. Well, go to Miller Bowie Supply. They're the hunter's headquarters. Draw in the deer this season with Rack Attract. The roasted soybean and corn mix offers 16% protein and it's just $14.75 at Miller Bowie Supply. Also, pick up Purina Antler Max deer pellets. With 20% protein, Purina Antler Max promotes great antler growth. You don't have to hunt for your hunting supplies. Visit Miller Bowie Supply, 1007 West 3rd in Texarkana. You've already been the victim of a careless driver, and now you find yourself at the mercy of a billion-dollar insurance company. Don't be a victim twice. I'm Monty Murray with the Murray Law Office, and I can help you through this process. So give me a call at 903-823-3000. We're located at 3918 Texas Boulevard here in Texarkana. I'm Monty Murray, and I'm telling you, don't be a victim twice. They say consistency is the key to success. They weren't wrong. So how about grabbing a beer that's consistently smooth, consistently refreshing, and consistently light? You might just find that the road to success can be pretty enjoyable. Ultra, the balance of taste and refreshment in only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Fourteen minutes till six o'clock. Leaving the yard. Zach and the professor on the fan one oh seven nine. Tomorrow, Kirk and company. Was Chubb you came, but uh, Chubb had to back out on me. I may just be ranting for an hour. Ranting Thursday uh, afternoon. Bill Oney going to join us from the Gazette, and uh, on the air live with us this afternoon, Will Middlebrooks, former Liberty Ilo Leopard, who's uh, now um, carving his way out in uh, in New England, where uh, apparently they love him in Boston for some reason. For some reason, yeah, some... They, they already traded me once. Hopefully, yeah. they don't do it again. <laughs> hey, well, we've got you on the line today. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, Lamichael James gets put into the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. What's your opinion with Lamichael? He is one of the. I'm still in touch with Lamichael all the time. He's he's a good friend of mine, and uh, he is one of the most genuine human beings that um, I've met through sports. Uh, in my entire life, you know, and I, I knew him from obviously when he was just a freshman in high school. Um, 
athletically, he was one of the most gifted human beings I've ever been around. I mean, he, he would make kids look silly in practice. You know, it was just, it was like about video games. Someone had a joystick, like God had a joystick, and he'd just do whatever he wanted with them. But um, I, I was so proud of him, you know, just knowing where he came from. And, and um, you know, I know his NFL career didn't go how it wanted, but LaMichael will always be LaMichael, and he's going to stick to what he believes is right. And, you know, maybe he didn't get as many opportunities as he, he should have as a running back. He, people wanted, to be, wanted him to be a returner, strictly a returner, because of his speed and his agility and how shifty he is. And he knew how good of a running back he was. So, you know, he said, you know what, I'm going to move on from the sport and go, you know, go do, you know, go have a family and go put cheese on burgers is what he likes to call it. <laughs> it's amazing when you go back and look at, at that four or five year window and the number of athletes that came out of Texarkana who have gone on to either have, uh, you know, a cup of coffee in the pros or uh, be able to make their way successfully using athletics. You and Zach and and uh, Trey Carson, uh, Michael Walker, Ryan Mallett. You mentioned LaMichael. It, it, it's, it's a kind of a weird group that there was so much talent all of a sudden in this little uh, spot in northeast Texas. Well, you know what? Before social media and all that, we didn't have anything else to do, guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, good point. We just played sports, and that's all we did. And, and we took pride in where we were from and the history of our schools and the, the, the players who came before us. And we wanted our names on the wall, too. You know, we wanted um, we wanted to have, you know, to go down as legends from our high school and, and be, you know, I grew up watching in high school, we would watch the 1999 highlight film of the LE team that won state. I wanted kids to watch us so that was that was a goal of ours in high school was to just be that next group that down the road people would watch our highlight film so i guess we pulled it off getting back to the forecasting this year in baseball chuck mentions michael Walker. if you're michael's agent right now i know you've got you know connections to the red sox but what would you be looking for if you were michael's agent right now a, a place to win a, a economic security talk to us about what you do in that situation um i mean right now you know what i think i think it's odd that he doesn't have a job right now i think um i think it's weird the boston red sox haven't really had much contact with him uh i think one of the reasons that maybe he he doesn't have a job right now because he had such a good good year last year uh you're looking into the analytics the metrics um, I don't know how deep you guys have gotten into the analytics of baseball, but, you know, his ERA was a 3-3, right? But his expected ERA was like 4.6, which tells me he had some luck. Uh, there's there's a, there's a stat called BABIP, which is batting average on balls in play. Uh, last year it was abnormally low for him. It was like 260, and the rest of his career it was like 312. So I think a lot of um, teams are saying that was an outlier year. Like maybe he can't repeat that, and that could be part of it because I think – as Michael should, and his agent should, he had a good year, so he should be asking for a multi-year deal, a two, three-year deal worth X amount of money. You know, he was making $7 million from the Red Sox last year, and he was their best pitcher. Uh, he was on a one-year deal. I'm pretty sure he's getting a lot of contact from teams this right now saying we, they just want to give him a one-year deal, and I guarantee he's asking for two or three, and that's why this process is taking that long. But um, – I don't think it was an outlier year. I got to watch him pitch in person a lot last year. He changed his repertoire a lot. He was throwing a cutter more. He was he was being able to use both sides of the plate, which he wasn't able to do for a few years. Obviously, he has that really good changeup. He lost a little bit of velocity with his fastball that comes with age. 
but he's just pitching now. He's locating. He's not walking guys. And I think he's just a different pitcher now, and I think he deserves a multi-year deal. You, you mentioned the analytics, and I actually did kind of pull up some stuff on Michael for the analytics that you're talking about, and things like whiff rate and barrel rate and 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 the right. part of pitching that that fans don't necessarily see because, like you say, they see wins and they see strikeouts and they see earned run average, and that's pretty much it. But if you're a GM and you're looking right. at that saying, you know what, his numbers just put him in the, the bottom quarter for a lot of those weird stats that GMs think is going to be the the uh, predictor of future performance, he does struggle there. And you're right, he may have had some luck of balls were hit at guys as opposed to balls were hit where guys weren't. Yeah, and I think that's, you know – that's part of pitching at Fenway Park too. Uh, you can get really lucky, or you can get really un- unlucky. Uh, that, that people like to say, "The monster giveth and the monster taketh," right? Like that—that's the saying there. You can give up a crush ball that might be a homer in most places, but it's going to be a liner off the wall and it'd be a long single. Or you're going to give up a ball that's hit 418 feet to dead center and it's going to be a fly ball out. Right. So it, it's um, you know there was a lot of lot of, of hard contact ag guys but there was also a lot of weak contact i think that goes back to him changing the way he pitches him mixing you know constant five pitch mix uh and, and really living in between the chalk and, and the edge of the plate this he can pitch man he, i know we're used to seeing guys light up the radar guns nowadays and if you're not 97 to 101 you know we don't want you well he can pitch and he can spot up and i don't care how hard you throw you throw 83 miles an hour if you're hitting your spot consistently you're going to miss barrels and you're going to get outs i I know you were at the the winter weekend in uh, in springfield the last week uh for the red sox for folks who don't know it's kind of a red sox coming out thing um and you mentioned little surprise the red sox haven't re-signed michael i know ownership had to kind of explain to a fan base what they're trying to accomplish there because in the last 20 years you're used to the red sox being one of the big free agent players signing big agent names free agent names and and having a team that you expect is going to contend for the the league pennant if nothing else and now it feels like it's in kind of a reboot mode is the boston fan base patient enough to wait this out no they're not (laughs) they're not they're they have become i don't want to say spoiled because that's not the right word that that comes off very negative towards a really good fan base um this team i think one of the worst things that could have happened to this fan base was winning a world series in 2004 because you look they went 86 years without a world series uh and then they've had four uh within the last what 10 20 years in the last 19 years they've had four world series which is the most in baseball over that span of any team in the, in the game. So um, they expect to win now. The fans over the last 20 years have become uh, – winning is normal now. Uh, being able to compete with the New York Yankees is normal now. The, with, the, with the Dodgers, all these big-money teams. And, yes, the Red Sox are a big-money team too. Might not feel like it right now, but they still have a $200 million payroll. Uh, the luxury tax threshold is around 230 so they still have they still have a little room to, to wiggle there. Um but I just don't, you know, it's the same ownership group, but Bloom, the GM, came from Tampa, a smaller smaller market team. Um, he's he's an, he's an analytical guy. I mean, most of the league is now, but he he runs he lives and dies by algorithms and those stats we talked about and using that crystal ball to predict the future. And um, a lot of times it works, and a lot of times it doesn't, and a lot of times it brings in players that. Uh, that the fans don't even know, but that you watch in Tampa Bay year in and year out, they, they do that same thing. And they're, they're in the mix to win the division or go to the playoffs every year. So, um, 
Boston is just accustomed to having the big names, yep. spending the big bucks. And I think right now the New York uh, the New York Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays are a step ahead in the division because they do have the firepower. They did go out and spend the money. And um, I think at, certain po- at a certain point as a GM of a team, you have to say, well, we're not going to win the division this year. How do we put together a competitive team without going over the luxury tax to still be competitive enough to bring in fans? And, you know, I, I could see this team losing 85 games or I could see this team winning 85 games. I'm not real sure yet. Right. I think there are still a couple pieces away from being super competitive. But they remind me of that 2013 team that I was on that won a World Series. We were picked to get dead last in our division. Uh, we brought in all these these veteran players that have been grinders who've just kind of bounced around in their career, and it was the perfect mix. It was a perfect mi- mix of personalities and um, styles of play, and, and, and it worked. Obviously, we had outside factors that pushed us that year with the Boston bombings, uh, marathon bombings and all that, and we had a little extra to play for, but – this team, the, the the makeup of this team reminds me a lot of the 2013 squad. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we're about to have to let you go. I got 30 seconds before this segment's coming to an end. And as always, it is amazing getting to talk to you. Um, we we wish you well. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a chance to hear some of your work and maybe uh, get you back on with us again as the season gets rolling a little bit. If you got a hole in the schedule, we can come back on. We'd love to have you on again. And when you come home once in a while, you know, drop in and say, hey. He's playing with Fowler. <laughs> I'm helping Fowler and my dad find their balls in the woods. Oh, are you? <laughs> are you? <laughs> nice. You're taking money from them. That's what I'm you're saying. I'm donating them too. Don't worry. But hey, anytime you guys need me, give me a holler. I'll, I'll jump on. <laughs> Tell you what, it's great talking to you again. Say hi to Jenny. Love the kids. And uh, well. hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. All right. All right, guys. Have a good night. Appreciate you. That's Will Middlebrooks. And we're out of time for this afternoon. A reminder, Crick and Company tomorrow, 7 o'clock a.m. 5 o'clock, we'll be back on the air. We'll do this again. And at 5.30 tomorrow, Bill Oney, Texarkana Gazette, going to hop in the studio. We will talk about the prospects of ever seeing PG Texas High in the same football field playing one another. We're done for today. Good uh, good show. Good talking to Will. We'll get, uh, we'll get out of the way. We'll let the network take it next. You guys take it easy. You've been listening to Leaving the Yard. Zach and the Professor here on The Fan 1079.